Welcome to episode 201 of Motherhood in Hollywood. I'm Heather Brooker. My guest today is Jessica Butler. She is the founder of Raise Magazine, a parenting site for non-traditional families, and the co-creator of the Nick at Night series, Instant Mom. So we are going to talk with her about her life, um, the show she created, and why she believes so strongly in non-traditional families and spreading the message and sharing more about non-traditional families. So here we go. Grab your popcorn and goobers. It's time for Motherhood in Hollywood with your host, Heather Brooker. This is a crude prude's perspective on being a full-time mom in showbiz. She's not a perfect mom, but she can play one on TV. Hold on to your butts. Here's Heather. Hi, friends. I hope you are hanging in there during this time of social distancing and staying safer at home. Even though I know many states are starting to kind of release their restrictions and open back up again, um, here in California, we are not. Uh, The governor just announced, actually, that they may extend the safer-at-home, stay-at-home orders through the end of July and early August. So Chris and I this morning had like a collective like moment of, oh boy, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, I feel very lucky to have Chris at home working from home with me. He's been beyond helpful with Channing and her schoolwork. But as I'm sure you are all feeling as well, it's a lot to just sort of see the same four walls all the time. Um, We go on the same kind of walks around the block three or four times a day just to get out of the house. But even that is like, oh, all right. Let's try to switch up our path or do something different. So um, I'm staying busy with work, which is great. You guys know I'm working for NBC as a reporter, and I'm staying busy. been doing some really fun stories. My podcast has been a wonderful distraction. Um, I, I, I'm starting to hit a wall, though, where I just I need to be in a different environment. You know, when you kind of get to that point where it kind of starts to wear on your soul and your mind a little bit and you're like, okay, I need to see other people other than just on a video screen. So, um, yeah, that's where I'm at. If you're kind of in that zone too, listen, I'm right there with you. I feel it. Uh, I've been having a lot of fun sharing about like sharing funny videos and silly videos over on TikTok. If you guys don't follow me over there, please do. I really let loose. It's not quite as like polished as the content that I put up on, um, Instagram, although Instagram is still very much my life and who I am and whatnot. But if you want to see me do silly and fun things, or honestly, just see anybody do silly, fun dances and songs and all that head over to TikTok, find me over there, just search Heather Brooker. Um, I'm definitely letting off some steam there. As a matter of fact, when I'm done with this, I think I'm going to go shoot a TikTok video. (laughs) I might be addicted. Um, But anyway, beyond that, uh, as you guys may or may not have heard, I reached my 200th episode last week. I wrote a lot about my feelings and about what's been happening over the last five years on my website. Um, I got a little bit of a a side eye from some people about it because I think maybe I was a little too honest. I don't know. Is that a thing? Can you be too open and too honest when you're on your own website and your own platform? Um, Either way, I did it. And, um, yeah, just sort of expressing how I'm navigating, um, what to do next in your career and where my heart is and all of that stuff. And, you know, I'm not going to make any major career moves or any decisions right now. I mean, my goodness, we're still in the middle of this pandemic and fighting to keep everyone healthy and safe. 
But it is always something in the back of my mind. Like I'm the kind of person that's always very driven and moving forward. What's the next step? How can I further my career to reach my goals? And, you know, um, it's hard for me to just stay stagnant and not go anywhere, not do anything. So um, I kind of wrote a little bit about that and my feelings for that. If you want to check it out on motherhoodinhollywood.com. But one thing is for show, I am definitely excited about my guest this week. It's Jessica Butler. She started a magazine called Raise Magazine, and it is a parenting site for non-traditional families. And I know you're probably thinking, what is a non-traditional family? What does that look like? Um, to you. Well, it's everything from um, uh, people who are raising adopted children, um, blended families, stepmoms, adopted moms, um, all of those different types of scenarios and different types of situations that make up a quote, non-traditional family. And we had a really lovely conversation about why this is something that's so personal to her and um, how she was inspired by her own personal life to create a television show so she could feel represented on television. And I'm a huge fan of that. Using your own personal experiences to create something because you never know who else is out there that might feel reached and might feel seen by what you've created. And it kind of creates this feeling of we're all in this together. I'm not alone you know um so yeah i absolutely love that i love what she has to say and i love what she has to share so uh here is my interview with jessica butler now as you know motherhood comes in many different forms and i am so thrilled today to talk to jessica butler who is the founder of raise magazine about some of the forms of motherhood that she is experiencing and raising awareness about hello jessica hi thank you so much for having me sure thanks for uh being on my little podcast um i want to just jump right into it because i have been diving into your website and um, would love for you to just tell everybody what Ray's Magazine is all about. So it is an editorial. It is meant to develop into a real mainstream parenting site for non-traditional families. Um, step moms, adoptive moms, foster moms, single moms, moms who welcome their babies through surrogacy. I am a stepmom and an adoptive mom, and I just really felt like every time I opened a parenting magazine or a parenting website, none of the stories spoke to the challenges I faced. And um, there were a few mommy blogs out there which were very helpful, but there was nothing that I felt like really spoke to all of the non-traditional moms that I know. There was just a huge lack there. So that's what we are looking to fill with Ray's. So let's talk about your own story. Now you mentioned you are an adoptive mom. You're also a step mom. Um, let's talk a little bit about that. When did you, which one happened first? I became a step mom first. I got married at 25 and my sons were, eight and 13, I believe when we got married and they are now 21 and 26. Wow! So I've been a stepmom for a long time. And then when my youngest stepson was 16, we adopted my son, Levon, who's now five. So let's talk about then, um, 
there's a couple different uh, things I want to address here. First of all, your story was the inspiration for the TV show Instant Mom. Um, it was. Which I actually auditioned for a couple of times. <laughs> that's amazing (laughs) so I was like oh that's so great um and I'm fascinated because I didn't do my due diligence as an actor to look and see that this was actually that show was actually based on um a real story and it was based on your story so um let's talk about that how did that show come about why did you decide you wanted to tell your story in that way so I am um I was a tv writer prior to my youngest son being born and all of the development executives I worked with said, you had to, you have to write your story, um, you know, your, your step parenting story. And I'm a drama writer. So I tried to write it as a drama and I finally went to them and I said, you know, the fact is my life isn't that dramatic. It's very funny. <laughs> I mean, I have a lot of funny stories and my husband is a comedy writer. And so they said, why don't you and your husband work together and write it as a comedy? And so we did. And we pitched it to Nickelodeon and it sold. And then Nickelodeon sort of shifted. Um, They shifted executives and it sat on the shelf for a couple of years. So by the time it was made, my husband and I had both moved on to different shows. Mm -hmm. Um, I was back in drama. He was on another comedy. And so I did the pilot, which is the first episode. And then I went to work on the last ship. So I wasn't there for the full run, which seems really strange, but sometimes that's just how Hollywood works. Um, But I sold it really as, you know, I felt like there were no stepmothers on television that were well represented unless the biological mother had died. Mm -hmm. And I lived in, you know, the reality was we shared 50-50 custody with my husband's ex who lived 20 minutes from us. And we celebrated holidays together and birthdays together on occasion. And, you know, when the kids graduated high school, it was my parents and her parents and my husband's mom and my best friend and her best friends. And we were just one big blended family, but it did lead to a lot of funny situations. And so that was really the basis for the show was trying to normalize the blended families I saw with my friends um, that were not represented on TV. And sort of dispel that myth of the wicked stepmother. Yes. And I really, I mean, it's still difficult. We still have so much work to do, even in a place as progressive as Hollywood. I got a lot of backlash on our original pilot script because the mother, the biological mother of the children was not in the script at all. We had Hmm. written her out as um, her mother had fallen, I think and broken Hmm. her hip and she went to take care of her. And that created the situation where the lead character, Stephanie was completely in charge for the first time with no backup. Hmm. And um, the network felt very strongly that we needed a scene where the mother called because if she didn't call and check on her children while they were in the care of her ex-husband and his new wife, America would think she was a bad mom. Oh, wow. And I was very offended by that because I thought, you know, first of all, no mother who didn't trust her ex and his wife would leave the children <laughs> with her right. long term. But also that that was their gut reaction, that a mother wouldn't trust a stepmother and her husband, her ex-husband to take care of children without 
checking up on them um, because that wasn't my reality. Right. You know, we had a wonderful relationship. And so there's still a lot of that. There's still a lot of that in Hollywood. It's still really geared. Mainstream media is geared towards biological mothers. And um, there were certain executives I pitched to whose face went white when I said in the pitch, you know, step parenting is parenting. <laughs> that was not always well received. I'm sure. Um, you know, but we live in a house where my my stepson's mother is not in competition with me. I am not in competition with her. They have us both. We both have unique roles. And just like I had two grandmothers with very unique relationships with each of them. They have two moms. One is a stepmom, one is a mom, um, but we both parent them. And of course I have different jobs and different boundaries within my step parenting role. But I think that it's time for everyone to recognize that in blended families that are working very hard to make it work, we need to encourage that, not um, try to discourage. Yeah. Show the divisiveness and everything from a divisive angle. You know, I think part of it might be too, because in Hollywood, there are so many acrimonious divorces that don't always end in a positive way. Like I have friends who are going through divorce right now where there's like just constant fighting and bickering and wondering who the other person is dating. And like, there's just a lot of, so maybe, you know, maybe there's that, that idea that they just don't have experience with or haven't seen and haven't, um, which is why, which is why it's great that you actually are telling these stories and are getting these stories out there because they do exist. Um, I would love to know how, how did you work on that relationship in the beginning with, um, their biological mother? Like, what was that like to try to find that balance of, to where you both didn't feel like you were threatened by the other, like there's, there's, um, you know, people assume all women in nature naturally just want to be competitive with each other in some way. Right. Um, so I would love to know like how that came about, did how that came about, did it take time? Um, was there, you know, I imagine there was lots of conversations about it. You know, I will say I give credit to her and my ex-husband that it was always approached from the beginning, um, especially with the kids. They were never told they weren't allowed to have a relationship with me. Oh, that's good. Um, and she and my husband were not at war. They handled everything, you know, as adults. as well as anyone could. Yes, as adults. Um And so it really starts with that. It really starts with the relationship between the two primary parents. And so my sons never, I don't think it occurred to them that it should be awkward um, or that it it was in any way negative. And Mm -hmm. so with her, I just really approached it as, you know, I'm, I'm here to... I mean, I'm here to parent, but I also I'm here to parent in a way that respects and enforces the rules that she and my husband had set forth. I didn't come in changing things. Um, And, you know, I think it is important for stepmoms to realize how difficult it is to be the mom on the other side that it's a really hard experience for everyone and everyone needs to respect people. And we did a lot of, you know, we celebrated holidays together. We really, we formed a family first 
before we form two separate families. Mm -hmm. And I think that that really helped that by the time we slowly developed our own traditions and we weren't celebrating holidays together, um, we had had that together time. And so there was never, we never approached it as our children have two families. They have one family. And that would be my advice to, to parents going through this. It's hard. I mean, you're the adult, you have to put your own ego aside and it's hard, Mm -hmm. but in the long run, it's so much easier if everyone can just get along. Now let's talk a little bit about, um, the decision you made to uh, adopt, I'm sure that was something that you thought about for a long time. And um, so I'd love to hear about that story as well. It was my mom is adopted. And so I've always wanted to adopt. And my husband and I had always talked about that as a way to grow our family since the beginning. We also talked about the possibility of having biological children. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew that no matter what, I also wanted to adopt. So he said, let's start with that one <laughs> in, case, <laughs> in case we only want one. Right. Um, so that's why we pursued adoption first. And my son has an open adoption, um, which means we are in contact with his birth family. He has a very close relationship with his birth grandparents. They're just another set of grandparents in his life. And so it's really lovely to see him have a connection with both. And again, just view his, his adoptive family and biological family as one big family. There's no separation there. Um, and we adopted him the day he was born and he's been with us ever since. So let's talk about some of the stigmas that come along with adoption. Um, I think I'm sure you've had every crazy phrase (laughs) uttered to you and questions asked. So um, please know I'm being, I want to be respectful when I'm asking you questions, but um, what kinds of things do people say to you when you're an adoptive mom that you would like to say, Hey, quit it. (laughs) Or that's not necessary. I wrote a post about it that's called, you know, the frequently asked and frequently inappropriate questions. Mm -hmm. I am asked about my son's adoption. Um, I I think oftentimes it's interesting. I am asked more frequently about his birth mother than I am about myself. So anytime someone hears that he is adopted or I tell them he is adopted, the questions immediately go to her. Why? Why did she place him for adoption? How old was she? Um, how could she do that? It, it's interesting how it's completely thrown to her versus me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that part of it is people's curiosity, you know, as to what leads people to adoption. And a lot of people, especially if they don't have personal experience with it, they really don't understand it. So I think that their questions come from a place of trying to wrap their minds around it. Sure. But they also, they don't think about the words that they're using. Um, I'm often asked if I want kids of my own, mm-hmm, yeah, which is, you know, common for any stepmom or adoptive mom to hear. Um, and I often because get asked the, if he knows. The inference there is that he's not your own child. Is that what, is that I what you think so. T- yeah. Yes. I think that people view pregnancy and motherhood as the same thing. 
-hmm. And they don't realize that pregnancy and motherhood are two completely separate experiences and that you can have one without the other. And so to them, since I was never pregnant, I haven't experienced the full, um, well, experience of motherhood. I haven't had the full experience, which I just don't feel that way. I have not had the experience of pregnancy, but that doesn't make me less of a mother. Absolutely. So... Well, I, part of me is my job and my nature as a reporter um, I, and a podcaster and all that is I ask questions. So I'm, yes. I try to be very thoughtful in the questions that I ask, even if it's just a casual conversation with someone. Um, but I know not everybody is like that. Like there's this sort of need to be like their gut reaction is like, what? Well, what about this? And how did this happen? And that sort of thing. So I can right. only imagine when something is perceived to be out of the norm or unusual, or maybe something someone is not familiar with, um, the types of questions and the types of comments that come your way. Um, I can only yes. imagine, <laughs> I can only imagine. Um, well, I would love to talk about, um, what life is like now. What does your house look like now? What does your world look like now? You have this beautiful blended family. You have, um, these wonderful children. Um, what is, what is it life now? Uh, obviously we're all in quarantine. <laughs> We're all, right. It's not yes, super can, exciting at this moment. I can tell you about my life prior to quarantine <laughs> yes. and in quarantine. It's actually funny. Um, we have a, we live in Los Angeles mm-hmm. and we have a second home in Tucson, Arizona, where my youngest son's birth family lives. We actually bought a house in their neighborhood several years ago so that we could go back and forth and spend holidays near them and he could grow up with them. Um, and we are currently quarantining in that house because it is bigger than our Los Angeles house. And we're here with my sister and my youngest stepson and my youngest son. (laughs) Um, our oldest is in New York quarantine in his apartment. He's a musician. And so there is a lot of togetherness happening right now and a lot of homeschool, uh, but it's fun. It's, it's like a bizarre staycation where we really stay inside. Um, but prior to that, so we live in a small house in Los Angeles on a little lake and, um, it's wonderful right now. It's just Levon, my youngest and my husband and I, My oldest, like I said, is in New York. Henry, my youngest stepson, was actually studying abroad in Australia when COVID hit. So he is in college. Is he staying there? No, he had to come home. Um, He stayed, you know, at first we kept him there because there were fewer cases in Australia. And we thought, well, we don't want him on a plane. Like, Mm -hmm. this is going to pass and we'll keep him there. And then it, it became very clear that it was not going to go away and that if we didn't get him home he was not going to be able to come home oh, yeah. <laughs> once they yeah. once they shut everything down so he's home now um but he actually attends college in kansas which is where i grew up so he's going to college 45 minutes from my parents um so we are just this big blended family and for holidays you know the boys split their time between our house and their mom lives in nashville right now um but you know, it, it's a really fun and frankly, really traditional feeling family. Um, it doesn't feel all that different or modern from anybody else's family. My sister is, because I'm much younger than my husband, my sister is very close in age to my stepsons and they're kind of like siblings. And uh, it's, it's really fun. I mean, we just have this 
this house where everyone is welcome and our neighbors become like other kids. And it's like this very wonder years throwback family, even though on paper, we're very, very modern. Um, it doesn't feel that way in our house, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. Well, on your website, you have, um, it all, in addition to sharing your stories, it looks like you're also sharing other people's stories as well. Um, who are having, who have a non-traditional family. Um, why did you decide to do that? I really wanted raised to be a true editorial. Um, because first of all, there were so many types of families that I couldn't speak to because, you know, I'm not a single mom. I'm not, um, part of an LGBTQ family. I'm not part of a family where surrogacy was involved. And those are very valid, important aspects of motherhood that I wanted to cover. So it was important to me to find writers who had experienced those things, who could bring them to life for people. Because I know as a TV writer, nothing changes the world like storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, so many minority groups have been advanced because of television shows, because it normalizes things. And yet sort of non-traditional motherhood is this last taboo that hasn't been normalized. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like the more stories we put out there and the more people realize this isn't just one person saying this, there are many, many, many families that are like mine who deserve to be represented. Um, 44% of women in America have either a stepchild or a step sibling or a step parent. So almost half of us are dealing with this dynamic and yet you pop up in a parenting magazine and there's nothing in it. Um, that covers the challenges of that. You know, over a million children are adopted, half a million children are in foster care. And yet these are only stories that get attention when it's, you know, National Foster Care Awareness Month. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we, you know, surrogacy is such a huge booming business and you read so much about the business side of it, but very little about the personal side of it. So that was really my goal was to say these parenting stories deserve to be told. And yes, we are just mothers. I mean, parenting, step parenting is parenting. Adoptive parenting is parenting. But you have another layer on top of it um, that you deal with that other people don't talk about publicly. And it's hard to talk about it publicly because sometimes it requires you to expose certain situation about your situations about your family or family members that you don't want to discuss publicly out of respect. Mm -hmm. And so it is this hard thing where you feel very isolated. And so we wanted to create a space to bring those um, views into the public space so that people can talk about them. I feel like, for instance, it's very, very normal now for biological mothers to talk about delayed bonding with their baby. It's a very common thing and it's something that's discussed so that mothers don't feel shame about it. But as adoptive mothers, it's something that is also common but rarely talked about because there is this feeling of we chose this, we were prepared, we wanted this baby so much that we jumped through hoops to build our family and we should be the last people struggling with bonding, but people do, Mm -hmm. and they feel very alone. So stories like that are really important to tell to, because so many mothers sit at home and think, am I crazy? Am I the only one who feels this way? 
And it's important for us to say, no, you're not. And here's how we overcame that feeling. That's so wonderful. Well, I love it. I loved exploring your site. I think what you're doing is um, something that's definitely needed in this space. Um, There's not a lot of those types of stories being shared. And I love that it's all in one place. So um, thank you so much. Tell everybody again where they can find your website and social media so they can follow along. So our website is raisemagazine.com. And all of our social handles are Raise Parent Mag. So you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest at Raise Parent Mag. Awesome. And I'm going to put up all of that information as well on motherhoodandhollywood.com. And Jessica, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me and share your story. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It was so great to chat. All right, you guys, that's going to do it for me. Have a wonderful week. And remember, I'm not a perfect mom, but I can play one on TV. Bye. Mama funny. Balls.